podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to today's episode of the 49ers Unrestricted Podcast. I'm Timmy Gibson here with my co-host, Daniel Bigelow. Daniel, how you doing this fine Monday morning? Hello. I am good. I am good. I'm ready to get into this game and uh, talk about it and talk about how I have no fingernails left because it was a nail biter and they're all gone. Yeah, you know... Actually, I'm I'm just getting breaking news. We just heard from one of our sources. Dre Greenlaw has finally gone down after the game-winning interception after For after real. running around the field like a maniac. So so that's good news. Good ball management by by Dre Greenlaw there, and we can all just let out a collective sigh of relief that that Greenlaw has finally gone down. Unreal. And, and then in his, you, I think everybody saw this in his press conference after he goes, yeah, you guys can blame Fred Warner because he told me that I was going to get a pick six. So I really thought I had to get a pick six. And I'm like, man, the second one was way worse than the first one because I, I truly thought he fumbled the ball as he went down in the fourth quarter. And I, I just, I <laughs> sounds so silly. I think I would have teared up. I think I would have teared up Here, at that point. Here's, of so oh, that would have been brutal. But but here's the thing, right? Dre Greenlaw is who he is because he plays a little bit like a maniac, you know? The reason he's so good and the reason we love to have him on the team is because he he flies all over the field, he gets physical, and he's a little bit of a crazy person. And so you got to take the good. If you're going to take the good, which I want the good, we got to also take the bad, like the the late hits and the the poor the potentially devastating decision making that turned out fine that you know he's getting yelled about all week. Like, you gotta take both. And I want Dre Greenlaw on the team, so I don't know, what can you do? I'm I'm with that. I uh I've got some thoughts. I think I'll keep some of those to myself, but <laughs> I'm I'm with you. And uh if you want the good, you gotta take the bad. I, I will uh I'll stick to that. Yeah, it's all you can do. But there are some other cool parts of this game. Um, you know, something that well, I like I the think 49ers advancing to their third straight NFC championship and fourth in the last five seasons. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. You know, I'd say so. Anyone else agree? Good. I think we had a lot of hands in the crowd. So fun stuff to be moving on. Um, if you didn't watch any football in the last two days, I don't know how you didn't. I don't know why you're listening to our podcast if you didn't watch any football. You probably you probably did. So uh, the San Francisco 49ers beat the uh, uh, what's their what's their who, who did we beat? I don't even remember at this point because I'm more focused on the Lions now. But the Lions uh, beat beat uh, Baker Mayfield almost pretty handedly and then almost not. Um, the Chiefs beat the Bills and that was a heartbreaker. With I wanted the Bills to win. But I think I'd rather play the Chiefs. But Tyler Bass, the Bills. Kicker. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be yeah. honest. I here's here's how I was thinking about the Chiefs Bills game. I'm I'm looking ahead to the Super Bowl, 
and here's how I feel. Everybody is already going to hate the 49ers if we beat the Lions because the Lions are the feel-good story of the century. So everyone's going to be rooting against us for the Lions. If the Bills made the Super Bowl after all of their curses and then we beat them, everyone would hate us. And so I'm, I'm a little glad that we don't have to, to deal with that. And then you could say the but same I was, thing. But I was also rooting for the Bills, but it's nice to know that if we make the Super Bowl, there's not like going to be a team on the other side that everyone is rooting for. Yeah, and we could say the same thing for the Ravens-Texans if the Texans won because C.J. Stroud, D'Amico Ryan, is like, how could you not root for that? So in all these games, we're kind of glad the way they turned out simply, except for the Lions, I guess, simply because we would be the the villains, the bad guys. So thankful that we're not. And I'm sure people are tired of seeing the Chiefs win. Maybe people would go to the Lions and then – I don't know how many people want to see the Ravens win unless you're a Ravens fan. So maybe we got a lot of voters on our side, but frankly, I don't care. I just want the Niners to win. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm, I was going to root for the 49ers to win either way. It's just nice to know that we really only have to crush one cursed fan base's dreams in our, in our potential path to a Super Bowl championship. I like the way you put it. Yeah, well... Let's uh, let's dive back in. I know we're we're probably more excited than anything to talk going forward, but we do we do need to look back, talk about what happened in really one of the more stressful 49ers playoff games in recent memory. Uh, I'll give you the theme that we're gonna go into. The team looked rusty, and Brock Purdy can't throw in the rain. But we can we can dive in. And, and Daniel, what do you what what jumped out to you on the offensive side of the ball? We'll we'll chat about that a bit, and then rotate over to the other side. Well, first I'll share what I shared with you uh, before we started recording, like before the game even started. Uh, I don't remember who it was, but they got a last quick brief interview with Matt LaFleur as uh, they were preparing to kick off. And they asked Matt, like, hey, are you worried about the rain? And he looked at them plainly and was like, we're from Green Bay. We're not worried about the the rain, the snow, anything. And it was just so cold. He did it so confidently that I was worried. I got very worried because Matt LaFleur was not worried about the rain whatsoever. And and you know what? The Packers were more ready for the rain. I mean, if you oh, like gosh, the, yeah. we'll get to this on defense, but the theme on defense was nobody could stay upright in the 49ers secondary and and Brock, I mean, really, really struggled to throw in the rain. So not only did Matt LaFleur say that, he was correct. Yeah, the, the the definitely the climax of my doubting of us winning this game was seeing the secondary slip. When I saw the secondary slipping because of the rain, I'm like, okay, there's no way. How do you – we're going to get beat by the rain. Um, but that is not how it turned out. I was talking with my good friend who is a Packers fan, and he was just happy to have made the playoffs. And I, I liked where his head was at. Uh, but we were talking, we were texting after this game, and he's like, no offense, but it really didn't feel like you guys won. It feels like we lost. It just feels like we uh, – he's speaking as a Packers fan. It just feels like the Packers lost more than the Niners won. And I, yeah, I can see some of that. I still think – I mean, you know, one team won the football game. But I do think – this Jordan Love kind of had a classic game where he played a great game and he made it work all game long until the last few minutes. He wasn't able to stay clean and he, and he threw that crucial interception. I mean, he threw one to Dre got both interceptions beforehand. Um, but I thought he did okay up until that interception. So I, I understand kind of where he's coming from there. But 
let's uh I know I just started with the defense but let's forget about that and get right into the offense um and we always start with Brock Purdy and so let's take a peek here even in the rain Brock Purdy threw the ball 39 times that's way more than he normally does and that's actually more than Jordan Love did uh so Brock Purdy threw it 39 times 23 completions normally those 23 completions are the 23 attempts and so he aired out for 252 yards and one touchdown. So that's an average of uh, six, uh, five. Wow, numbers are hard. 6.5 for average per completion. Not a very large average, but he had a 86.7 rating. Not bad. Timmy, what were your what were your thoughts on Brock Purdy, the man who wipes his hand in mid-play? Which I, I yeah, I love the drama I mean, about that. I see nothing wrong with that. I I see nothing wrong about that. However, I mean, and and Purdy has said this himself, but you you could see it more than anything in the game, and you can see it in his past games. He really struggles in the rain. And, and that has been a consistent theme, right? The Browns game this season was his worst regular season game. Rain. He had a rough game against the Seahawks last year. Rain. And, and so Purdy clearly struggles in the rain. I mean, you even saw he came out with the glove, thought it might help, didn't like the glove, took it off. And and that's just, it's it's scary, right? And and it it's clearly was affecting him. I mean, you look at all these throws, even like the little the little checkdowns that just didn't have the velocity on it they normally would. He missed a lot of guys on on some key throws, but he also he he delivered on some incredible ones as well. I mean, he had a couple darts that he that he weaved in. George Kittle's touchdown pass was just a beauty. And then obviously, I mean, on the last drive to to win the game, he had one incompletion and it was the one that Kittle dropped, right? Yep. So that's even good, with good all the struggles right and and I think this is really the theme of Purdy, right? When he's healthy, even when he struggles, he delivers. And and that's the mark of a great quarterback, right? And, and I think I'm I'm I mean, you guys have listeners, I hope you've been following us all season. You've heard my Brock Purdy arc from I don't know, is he the guy to no, he's definitely our guy to I actually think he's really, really good. And you heard me just say it now, he he's a great quarterback. And that happened in the Browns game too, right? Arguably his worst game. He played terrible for three quarters. But you know what? The 49ers needed a drive to win the game. He got it for him. And he did it again on Sunday. No incompletions on the final drive. So yes, Purdy struggles in the rain. He's going to need to figure that out. He's admitted he's going to need to figure that out. However, he's not going to need to figure it out this year because by all accounts, Levi's is not going to be rainy next weekend. And obviously the, news. The, upcoming, the upcoming Super Bowl, if the 49ers are, are, enough, are lucky enough to be there, uh, is going to be in a dome. So hopefully news, this is the last time this year the Niners see the rain. Ooh, is it the breaking news I saw for next week's game? Yeah, breaking news. I checked the weather. And it's going to oh. be 70 degrees on Sunday in Santa Clara. So 70 we... degrees and sunny. So yes. again, ideally, assuming the weather is right, which it's not always right, but it could be. Uh, Brock Purdy shouldn't have to worry about the rain, should be his sharp self. And I mean, the offense as a whole, and I, I think this affected Purdy as well was clearly pretty rusty. I mean, the, the two weeks off, for, or the mostly two weeks off for most of the starters clearly affected them. They're going to have knocked that rust off now. And after, you had your scare, right? You went into the game, you were expected to win. 
and you got scared if you're the 49ers, that's going to yeah. have you coming out hot next week against the Lions. So I think the offense is going to look much sharper than they did for a lot of the game. Really, I, the uh, biggest offensive news in this game is, is the Debo Samuel injury, Daniel. I don't know if you want to turn there. Well, I want to say one thing about Brock first. Um, sorry. Uh, the one thing about Brock first is what you were just talking about, about uh, him being able to lead lead a drive down the field at the end of a game when it really matters. I don't know how many how many fans truly understand how I think that is like the mark of a good quarterback. Because you look at a good quarterback and we can just take Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady as the examples here because those are the two first two guys that I think of when I think of this. But if I'm the defense, sorry, or I'm the opposing offense and that like Patrick Mahomes' or Tom Brady's defense is on the field, you want to like those are the guys where you want to soak up as much of the clock as possible so that they don't have enough time to drive down the field. Like Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes have both led drives down the field in under a minute or under two minutes and responded to the touchdown that was just scored that everybody thought was going to seal the game. And Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and a couple other guys are like known. And we say like, oh, too much time left on the clock for Pat or Tom or whoever, right? That is the mark of a good, incredible quarterback in my mind is when people know that you cannot leave X amount of time on the clock because they're going to march down the field. Once someone like once someone can say that about you, I think that is like the stamp of solid franchise trustworthy quarterback. And not saying that Brock is is there yet, but the fact that we can point to multiple games this season or even in playoffs that he's done that in his first full season as a starter, I think we are on a good track and a good pace to eventually say, "Hey, that's too much time to leave on the clock for Brock Purdy." So I'm excited to see how many more games he can do that uh, in the playoffs and next season and, and so on. So that's my my last note for Brock Purdy. You were just asking about Debo Samuel in the offense, and this is this is a a big topic I would say of this week, and not just his health, but I'll explain with when Jawan Jennings got his end around handoff, the announcers even pointed it out like, hey. I think it was Greg Olson. He's like, that is not Jawan Jennings' play. That is a Debo Samuel play, and they are still going to run it, even though it's with Jawan Jennings. And it didn't quite work with Jawan. Now, I think Jawan stepped up and was incredible in Debo's absence, but he is not Debo Samuel by any means. And so what I hope they're doing this whole week is practicing without Debo. I Because I did not see this. On Saturday, I did not see the Niners prepared to win without Debo. And we love the man. He is crucial for this offense. But you need to be able to play without him. You need to be able to win games without him. And I did not see uh, confidence in that ability on Saturday. And so I would love for them just to spend all week going, hey, we know how to play with Debo. We know the plays. We know all this. Let us prepare to not have him. And this is how we will win without him. And if he plays, awesome. We know what that's like, but what are your thoughts on that, Timmy? Did you see kind of what I'm what I'm mentioning? Where when he's out, they did not look like they knew what to do without him. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I 
I don't know that you could have summed it up better, right? The, the 49ers offense, they turn to Debo when they need a big play, whether it be in the run game or the receiving game. Debo is the heart and soul of the 49ers team. There's a reason he leads them out of the locker room every week, right? And you saw Debo battling to get back out there, and, and he just couldn't do it. Right, And so that's definitely worrying. Obviously missed two games with a shoulder injury earlier this season than he had before. But you're right. They turned to Jawan Jennings. They turned to Chris Conley to step up with, with some huge yeah. plays, which was, was a little scary. But, yes, but obviously <laughs> those guys got it done. And, I mean, a guy like Jawan Jennings is an incredible an incredible football player. I mean, you saw that catch he had on third down. He's been a really reliable third down option. So the 49ers yeah. offense can definitely still produce without Debo, right? But they cannot be the truest form of of their offense, right? And that that's I think what it comes down to. Without Debo, they are not the bet they don't have every option available like they do with him. And, and so sure. I think that's the biggest difference, right? And and so just the the news I'm seeing, we haven't gotten any official word. Obviously it's Monday. We'll probably know more later today. What I'm seeing is Debo's about fifty fifty to go on Sunday. So that's great news and really the confidence there is if the forty ers are lucky enough to advance to the Super Bowl, he will probably definitely be back by then. But sounds like he's got a chance to play. Can't imagine that if he has a chance, Debo's not gonna be doing everything he can personally to get himself out there. So we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, the forty ers have a different offense without Debo. Yeah, and so, as you said, he's 50-50, which isn't super encouraging to me just because it, it could go either way. But when it's a playoff game, I think 50-50 really means 70-30. It's like 70 is playing. Um, but also, uh, I saw a report that during the season when he had a similar injury, he was out two to three weeks. And so maybe they do rest him expecting to be in the Super Bowl and then he does get that week off in between and he would be a full go I would assume for the Super Bowl uh but let's just say he's not playing if I'm Kyle I am I'm changing my playbook I'm pulling out all the plays excuse me essentially that Debo would be a part of maybe leave a few in there because we know we've seen Ayuk do multiple end arounds or, or rushing as well he does not do them nearly as well as Debo but still I'm pulling out hey what are the best Chris McCaffrey plays what are the best George Kittle plays what are the best Brandon Ayuk plays what are the best Kyle Juszczyk plays and I'm I'm making that my playbook and I'm pulling out some of the ones of the Debo I'm not going to try to replace Debo with these plays because it's not going to work and so I would just you know we've seen so many games because we have so many offensive weapons We've seen games where, you know, Chris McCaffrey always gets in the end zone, like he did twice on Saturday. But it's it's normally, hey, you can't feed everybody. So, and I understand the defense is going to figure this out or would see this. I'm like, okay, since Debo's not here, they can't feed him. They're going to feed Ayuk, Kittle, and uh, CMC. But that's kind of the game plan I would go with is prepare to feed those guys. Think, dream up your best plays for them. What what are the plays that suit them the best? Let's go out there and use those. Um, but also, you know, may, maybe what they do with Debo, and I think what they did, I don't remember what game in the season, is they have him suit up and he's kind of like a decoy because I do think that that is crucial. If you have... Yeah, Kittle. no, I agree. Even if he yeah. can't full go, he we need him out there. That's a really, yep. really good point, Daniel. And so, you know, again, maybe the defense can sniff that out, but if they sniff it out enough to where they 
don't think he's actually a relevant player in the field, he could be wide open for a touchdown or something. So I really hope that he suits up at the very least. If he doesn't, that worries me a little bit, and I would say he's questionable for the Super Bowl, uh, assuming we get there. So, And again, um, I'm not too worried about getting there. It is the playoffs, but so I'll, I'll wait to preview there. But any any last thoughts on the offense, or should we touch base on this defense for a little bit before getting into the Detroit Lions matchup? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the offense got done what it needed to do, right? Obviously, huge Christian McCaffrey game. Brock delivered. The rain is a concern. I don't think it's a concern until future seasons, but that's something Brock Purdy is going to need to figure out as I think we both expect him to have a long, long career in the NFL, and so he's going to need to nail that down. Uh, everything next week for the offense is really going to hinge on whether Debo's back. Yeah, that. but I think we need to come back to the offense got the job done. Jake Moody did miss a kick, but it was blocked, so I'll take it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he didn't Tyler Bass that thing. No, he did not. That was tough, man. Also, can we just take a second? And we haven't talked about this yet. You saw Matt LaFleur's quote about their kicker? I'm not sure I did. The ro- they oh, had a rookie are you kicker. Serious? Yeah, and he struggled throughout the year. <laughs> so what Matt LaFleur said post game, it's, it's I don't even I don't think he meant it this way, man. But he goes, "Yeah, every, what's this what's this guy's name? I thought it was a funky name. Isn't it Anders Carlson? Anders Carlson, yeah." Uh, he goes, yeah, every time he goes out there, I just pray. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's so rough. Oh, so you have oh no, my gosh. Have you, you have looked no at pictures of Anders Carlson? Uh, like a specific one? Because I saw him on TV. I know what he yeah. looks like. But... So, I mean, so he he's my age, but he just looks really, really young. I just looked him up. Like, he looks very yeah. young. Uh, I just can't imagine. Like, I don't think Matt meant it the way it sounded, but... Can you imagine like go, having your kicker go out there and he's like, "Yep, every time he goes out there, I just pray. Like, I have no confidence in him. I just pray that he gets it done." Like that's what I hear. Maybe that's not how he meant it, but that is what I hear. So that was tough. Um So that's our special teams stuff real quick, but one thing on the defense. Spe- that's special teams talk for you. Yeah, Tune that's, in that's next we week for more special teams talk. <laughs> uh do you know uh, a fun stat about Saturday? Nick Bosa. No. Oh, what did he do? No sacks. No sacks. Two solo or two solo tackles. Three total. But do you know what he had five of? He had five QB hits. That seems like That's a lot. My guy. Uh, Javon Kinlaw had one. Nobody else had a single one. So I'm gonna go with five QB hits is a lot in a game, and that's pretty fun looking at the stat sheet and seeing Nick Bosa. Was that means he was pretty much five close enough to to a sack five different times. Um, Dre Greenlaw, I think, was the man of the hour, right? With uh, two pass deflections and two interceptions, correct? Yeah, a great Greenlaw game. The only flaw in Greenlaw's game is get down, Dre. Yeah, unreal, unreal. Just my favorite is listening to the announcers where they're like, "Oh, oh, he's he's still going. Oh, he's got to get down. Oh." Oh, he's got to get down. <laughs> he's just still going. So love that. Uh, was a was a team effort on the defense here. It was not a just uh, Fred Warner showing up. Or it wasn't even just a Dre Greenlaw game of just him. Traverius Ward did a good job. Uh, had a pass deflection as well. I uh, was talking about him with a lot of Niners fans this last week. And people were just praising him. Um, and I'm not the only one who thinks... 
interceptions are awesome, but a somewhat overrated stat. I think, you know, Deron Bland for the Cowboys, people think he should win MVP because he had four pick sixes. And I go, that's awesome. That's only four plays. Traverius Ward, as we talked about last week, had 23 pass deflections, six more than the next person, I think. So that's a ton. And I think that that is a huge, huge stat to focus on. And he racks up another one here in this game versus Green Bay. Timmy, I want to know your thoughts on a specific player in the secondary of this game. And I heard a lot of not so nice things about this player from Niners fans this week. See, I I could have sworn, Daniel, I heard last week that this guy had really improved. Yes. Do you think that he showed that improvement on Saturday? Like, everyone, we're talking about Ambry Thomas here. Uh, And namely, that pass interference call on like a 30, 40-yard play. That was tough. Yeah. Uh, So that wasn't great. It was a bad Ambry Thomas game, I think. And so I'm curious... If the Niners change anything, Logan Ryan was out there. I think he just plays safety now. I don't actually don't even know where he plays. He's played. Yeah, all he's over a the safety, place. but but he came out. He was he was the starter, I believe. He played over Jair Brown, which is is surprising. I think. I but, wish I had seen that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, definitely interesting. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Let me pull up. I, don't, I can't believe I haven't pulled up the injury report yet. So I want to see if anything has changed other than the Debo stuff. I don't remember. I don't recall any other injuries. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so I, I understand if Logan Ryan, I like, I don't blame that call. Logan Ryan over Jair Brown, especially to start. Maybe the, the starting aspect could give Jair Brown some jitters there. Um, and Logan Ryan is a big time veteran. So, now, no, no updated injuries here. Obviously, no, Clellan, I mean, I, I think Farrell's the, out, and I haven't seen any updates on him. And I think getting Clellan Farrell back, I don't, I don't know where where he's kind of at in in his injury recovery. But but getting Clellan Farrell back would be a actually, Clellan. This is embarrassing for us. Clellan Farrell is at IR, officially done for the year. So that's a loss. Oh, oh wow! I think yep, haven't, haven't I think contingent that to that. Obviously, the follow-up for that conversation is the reality that Chase Young has not been what what we thought he'd been. He's been very good. He has not been the true, true... He has not been Nick Bosa from the right side, right? Like, he hasn't been. Uh, Clellan Farrell has been more more consistent throughout the year. I think a lot of that is just Chase Young getting adjusted to the scheme. He's obviously a really, really good football player, but he has not been what, what we had hoped, and that's okay, but it's highlighted by the fact that with Clellan Farrell out, he is going to be the main go-to guy, Chase Young, and Randy Gregory is going to be really involved as well. But I would love to see Chase Young have a have a real surge here in the NFC Championship. Yeah, and I wonder if that's on us. Like, I wonder if our expectations were too high. Like, I actually couldn't tell you how Chase Young was doing this year in Washington. I know he was healthy. He, he was doing okay. I mean, I 
I think our expectations were reasonable. We were looking at a guy who was number two in the draft a couple years off an ACL recovery at this point who who was supposed to be the, the second coming of Nick Bosa, and he's not. You know, and I, I think that was fair. For I think our expectations were reasonable, and he has definitely not played what how we thought he would, but he, he's still, and I... I want to be clear. He's still a very, very good football player. I'm still very glad he's on the team. He has not been who we thought he'd be, but he's still got time. Yeah. Well, maybe not with the Niners. But, who knows? He might have yeah. two more games with the Niners. But with, with that, it, it is time to swing around and, and chat about the NFC Championship game, I think, Daniel. Have you seen the news this morning in regards oh, to the have. Lions? Fans, the Detroit Lions. Listeners. You want to you take it? I do. I really want this one. Uh, take it. Ladies and gentlemen, the Detroit Lions decided they're worried against that they're worried about playing the Niners on Sunday. So they called in backup. Just like some teams do, they sign, they sign veterans to come in. And so what they've done is they have signed, this is the longest news reveal ever, they have signed... Super Bowl champion Zach Ertz, who is now on the Lions practice squad. So, don't even know if he'll play on Sunday. I assume he has to. I mean, I don't really think you sign a veteran like Zach Ertz this this late. I mean, you know, he did okay for the Cardinals. He caught some passes, but I'd be pretty shocked if he wasn't on uh if he wasn't suited up. I think he'd be a good tight end too for them just for the funsies. <laughs> so, Timmy, what do you think about yeah. the Lions signing Zach Ertz? Eh, it doesn't mean that much to me. Zach Ertz has been fine. He's not the Zach Ertz he was even one year ago, much less who he was five years ago. I'm not significantly worried about about Zach Ertz. I do think there's some, uh, some concern with, I mean, the tight end, Sam Laporta, rookie tight end, obviously, is the Lions. The Lions' true true tight end star he's been battling injuries so you have to wonder if that's kind of why the um why the lions made that move for Ertz. you have to wonder about that but i i'm not it's interesting i mean Ertz kind of dabbled with the 49ers as well i would have liked to bring him in but i don't i don't think he does anything could it technically could it technically be a zach Ertz revenge game since we never signed him it would be like zach a- Ertz revenge game maybe I don't know. Tom, Maybe I'm Tom, wrong. Tom Brady and, Maybe I'm and wrong. Aaron Rodgers I don't even know. were always upset. I would be a little shocked if Ertz even gets significant playtime, much less significant involvement in the passing game. Yeah. Okay, let's actually get into this. Let's actually get into this game. Um, you all don't need to know that uh, a family in my church lives in Zach Ertz's childhood home. Who cares about that? Fun fact. Okay, Lions, here we go. Wait, what? Um, yeah, a family in my church literally lives in his like childhood home because he 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 went to the high school that I uh, coach volleyball at. He went to Monta Vista, and uh, he lived in Alamo. Crazy, fun little thing. So I've been to Zachary's childhood home. Weird. Uh, Lions on. They played yesterday. Yeah, feels longer. Jared Goff threw the ball 43 times, had 30 completions, rating of 103.5, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Jameer Gibbs had a kind of a crazy day. Nine carries for 74 yards. That's an average of 8.2. Touchdown, uh, 31 was his longest run, so that added to the yards for sure. Not a big run game other than that. Like, Dave Montgomery was handed the ball 10 times, 33 yards. 
Amon Ross St. Brown, 8 receptions, 77 yards, and a touchdown. Sam Laporta, 9 receptions, 65 yards. Jameer Gibbs got the ball a few times, but honestly, not a not a big offensive like day for the Lions. I mean, I, I don't know what your thoughts were on this game to me. Uh, I truly think if, if the Bucks were a little cleaner and if they went for two and Baker did not throw in a late interception, this could have been the Bucks. So. Yeah, I mean that Daniel. That points to something I would just like to to say as we begin discussing the 49ers game against the Lions. Yesterday, the 49 the yesterday the Detroit Lions beat the Buccaneers 31 to 23 in the playoffs. On November 19th, the San Francisco 49ers beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 14 to 27 in the playoffs. So, I don't know. You tell me. What does that yeah, mean? Them. Yeah. Uh, there are some no. I mean, obviously, the offense speaks for itself. The Lions have an awesome offense. Like, I, I think I would give Dan Campbell coach of the year. Uh, He's a great coach. Great coach. I'm. I, the only thing I'm worried about is if uh, any Niners players are going to lose any kneecaps this week. You know, because Dan Campbell likes to bite kneecaps. So, uh, Jared Goff has 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 remade himself into a pretty good quarterback. We'll see how he plays this next week, but the, the duo of Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery is one to respect, and especially Jameer Gibbs's uh, dual threat versatility in the offense. And then Jameer Gibbs' breakaway speed is something else. He is a unique player in his ability to just cut and run. He is very, very fast. That scares me, but obviously the 49ers are the best linebackers in the NFL, so I, I do expect them to be able to limit him. And as much of a turnaround, yeah. So that that's my that's my Jameer Gibbs thoughts. I think he's very yeah. very fast. But I think if any if I was going to bet on any team to uh, to take him down, it's going to be the team that has Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. I agree. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown. I think he is the most underrated receiver in the NFL, and he already is pretty highly rated. I think he is legit. I think uh, he is right there under Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, and I think there needs to be some more respect put on Amon Ross St. Brown's name. Um, not only do I say that because he was on one of my teams that won me a fantasy championship, but I just think he's legit. Speaking of legit, Sam Laporta, rookie tight end. I have never seen a rookie tight end be so good like Sam Laporta. So those that's a, that's a big offense there. I do think the Niners' defense can't handle them, but that is a big offense. But I think our defense is what is going to win this game because you look at the Lions' defense. Uh, is Brian Branch a rookie or is he a rookie last year? Brian Branch, I believe, is a rookie this year. Yeah, and he's uh, safety. He was awesome against the Bucks. Uh, Alex Anzalone, you know, gotta love the linebackers who are repping the Clay Matthews hair. Uh, Aiden Hutchison, goodness, he is awesome. Um, secondary Kirby Joseph. Uh, we know that C.J. Gardner Johnson is just gonna open his mouth all game long as he does. We'll see if he actually does anything other than getting just one measly tackle. He did get a pass deflection, but not a fan of him. But I do think that this defense, the Lions defense, is not going to be able to handle the Niners offense. And I do think that the Niners defense will be able to at least slow the Lions offense down a heck of a lot. And so I think that is going to be the biggest uh, biggest component of this game is that the Lions defense is not matched for this Niners offense whatsoever. Timmy, what are your thoughts on the offense defense matchup here? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the Lions defense has been kind of one of their weak spots throughout the year. Obviously, Aiden Hutchinson can make can make big plays. They have playmakers, but if you look at the team throughout the year, they've won more by outscoring opponents than stopping them, right? And the 40 let, let me put it this way. The 49ers has put up point have put up points on much better defenses than the Detroit Lions. That's really all I yeah. have to say. I do not expect them to be able to severely limit the 49ers. They might be able to get some pressure on Purdy, but I I expect this 49ers to this to be even without Debo. I think this is going to be a better offensive performance from the Niners than last week. Yeah, talk about a, a defense where Brock Purdy can lead a uh, game-ending drive down the field and get it done. Like I think it can be done against this defense. I don't think that that will even need to happen. I, I do think that somehow, I mean, the Packers defense is legit. And so if we're able to hang on in the rain and beat them, I'm not too worried about this Lions defense. With the solid defense that we have, I just, you know, it's going to be up to them. Can they hold there off will, this There will Lions be some offense? plays from the Lions defense, but yeah, I'm not I'm not very worried about it. I do just, I mean, I, I don't want to predict anything. The Lions are obviously a better team than the Packers, but I'm not sure they, but the Packers obviously played really, really good ball. I think the Niners were rusty. The rain clearly threw Purdy off. I don't know. I have a hard time believing that this game is going to be as close as the one the 49ers just played, but I'm always so hesitant to say that because I don't want to jinx anything. But I, I do expect the 49ers to win here. Yeah. No, I I feel good. And, you know, the Bucks defense, who I, I think is not nearly where it, where it used to be. A lot of these guys are a little bit older. Um, I mean, Devin White isn't even a starter anymore, and he was legit. So if they uh, if they were able to even you know slow them down slightly as they did, I I don't see the Niners having any problem. Well, I don't want to say any problem, but uh, too much of a problem taking them down as well. So we feel good about this game again. Got a, got a lot of respect for this Lions offense and the playmakers and Gibbs, Laporta, and St. Brown. But feel good about it, and we're excited for yet another beautiful weekend of playoff football with the San Francisco 49ers. Absolutely. I think it just comes down to, everybody, enjoy this while it lasts. Enjoy this run. It's really, really fun for all of us, and we're we're glad to be able to to be a part of it. And yeah, it should be a really good game against the Lions. Like I said, they've been a fun team this year, but I just, I, I don't know. I just think they're going to be so happy no matter the lot. Here's, here's how I'd put it. The Lions fans, and the Lions players are going to be so happy no matter what happens on Sunday. They've done what they needed to do. They purged the ghost of Matthew Stafford. They have made it to the NFC championship game. They've brought so much hope to this city but then you look around at the San Francisco 49ers, their job's not done yet, right? They're not satisfied until they have the Lombardi Trophy. And I'm, I'm not trying to say that the Lions are satisfied with, with not having this. So that's, that's not the point I'm trying to make. But the Lions have accomplished everything they wanted to. And a Super Bowl and an NFC cha- Super Bowl appearance, NFC Championship win is just gravy. It's the cherry on top of the Sunday. For the 49ers, it's the whole dang Sunday. And so I do think the 49ers are going to want this just a little more. Yeah. Can't wait. I will be, you know, I'm sure Dan Cable will be teary-eyed and I respect him, but good luck next year. And we will we will see ya. Enjoy yeah. this game everyone. Enjoy this Niners fans. Stay safe out there.